location and where are we? Um, we are a little bit outside of Louisville mm. at, at one of the many wonderful establishments where you can get books. Usually, right now, it is very hard to get books and it makes me sad. It is sad. Why are we here? We are here um, because in addition to, I believe, having auditions for one of our shows here, something. We did, we something did a here. rehearse. We did a uh, read through. We read did a read through here. here. Um, we also have seen some traveling shows that have come by this and other establishments where one can receive books for free. Yep. Um, when it's not a pandemic. <laughs> it's not a pandemic, yeah. I have um, not yet figured out how to get books during the pandemic. I should have asked the person who came out here. That would have, have been it helpful. Seem like he was making some sort of exchange. Yeah, I think you have to put them on hold. I don't understand. It's very confusing, so. Um, as one lady at the community center I used to work at, their library, like, I'm not going to say screamed, but very emphatically told me, you can't clean books. Yeah, that is a problem. Yeah. But I feel like, um, you know, you can have some sort of holding system for two weeks. Yeah. That's fine. Um, so we're here partially, I guess, to talk about um, my family's biggest fear in coming to see a show. <laughs> that I'm a part of, <laughs> and that is that someone will make them participate mm, Yeah. in some audience participation. That has not usually been my favorite thing either, but I enjoy watching other people do it. Oh, me too. I, and I enjoy making people do that, because it's great. Yes, but I'm not personally interested in doing no. it. No! I mean, I like to use the excuse that it's like, well, this is my job. I'm coming to see you on like a day off right don't make me work exactly <laughs> but really i absolutely don't want to ever i think i'm just so bad at improv it just still mm. scares me so for me it's like i'm i feel like i'm thinking too much about what they want me to say yeah like there's a correct answer because i've been on the other side of it and i'm like i'm trying to do like some sort of like high level calculation of like if i say this then they're gonna do this and I wonder if that's what they want to do or if they did that last night like yeah is that the point you're trying to make yeah and I'm gonna like mess you up etc that's fair yeah especially when it's kids oh my gosh when it's kids it's very exciting that I live like this was not really audience participation but in a way it became it did you see Peter and the Starcatcher with me? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember when um, the, like, captain guy was digging around in the treasure box and making, like, some innuendo-type jokes, but there was, like, a little girl who was watching the show who did not get it? Yeah. And she started hysterically laughing <laughs> because everyone around her was laughing, and she, like, wanted to be, like, part of the laughter. Yep. Um, but then to the point where, like, she was the only one you could hear, and it became, like, a bit in the show. I live for stuff like that. Yeah. Because kids really can turn something on a dime. Absolutely. Um, and he, like, totally broke and, like, kept 
hamming for her at that point. <laughs> like, it was a one-man show for a one-little-girl audience. And we all loved it. It was it great. It was so good. Fabulous. That show needs a lot of interaction for it, it to does. be fun. Yeah. Like, if, if the audience doesn't respond, there is no... There's so much like so many good lines and everything in that show but if the audience is just kind of dead that'd be so sad oh my gosh <laughs> i can't imagine seeing that with an audience who was just like not into it right um that would be so sad for the cast so sad for like the three people in the audience who were excited right uh, so i don't think i've ever performed something where the audience was supposed to be like in the vibe and they just absolutely were not Hmm. Well, I don't think so. At no, least I, I haven't, not I haven't seen one, yeah, that I, where it was just completely silent when it should have been laughing <laughs> or something. Yeah, I think most people are giving you the benefit of the doubt. Right. So here, at this specific place, yes. what did you see? I saw a touring show. It was a two-man show where they were doing the best bits from Hamlet basically sure um and it was very much a audience and particularly children participation show they got a couple of the younger members of the audience of which there were very few actually um to come up and help them i believe they had a puppet involved or that they just put a crown on them and had them say like one line um which of course was fabulous sure. and the parents loved um so cute and uh, lots of questions about what, what do you know about this show or stuff like that. It was kind of uh, very similar to a school presentation type thing, which was fun. Um, and there was one, one young lady who knew all of the answers. Oh. By the end of the show, we all knew her name, and she <laughs> was a favorite. It was fantastic. Oh, that was um, me when I was a child. She was great. No, no fear. No fear, no shame. <laughs> Just very excited to be there and very proud of all the answers. I bet. It was great. That's adorable. It was really good. I do feel like watching kids do audience participation, if they're, if they're not being coaxed into it, like if they feel like comfy cozy making it happen, is particularly fun. Definitely. Um, especially when you can pay more attention to the actors and like how they handle it um because there is no amount of improv training that trains you for what a child is going to say they will not do what you think they will do they're pretty much ever gonna do what you think they're gonna no. do no one of the most fun experience we okay we kind of rigged this one i directed a show where we decided to pull up a member of the audience it, it was in the script, but we kind of hammed it up a little bit. And um, they were supposed to be playing a game on the stage and they needed another person to play. So my character pulled up her brother. I believe it was just her brother both nights because that just wound up being less, less <laughs> stressful when it was a, a child pulling another child up on stage. It's like, sure. let's just keep this a little consistent. But because they were siblings, they just were total nonsense. It was so funny and for people who didn't know that they were siblings it just made it that much better that they were like going for it sure so yeah i'm sure some people were like are they really doing this is that, this is this is a small person telling another person what to do is this a, is this part of the show are you allowed <laughs> to do this she just marched off the stage and went and grabbed him it was very funny 
that could have easily, of course, went terribly wrong. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Well, I think that's that's the gamble of audience participation. You have to be completely prepared and completely fine for it to go completely and terribly wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for them to not be in into it at all. That's the worst. And I do think um, good performers are good at identifying their mark. Yeah. Of, like, who's going to go for it. But, you know, we've all been wrong before. There was both good and bad when I, I saw a show in Chicago. They were doing Shakespeare and they, one person was intoxicated. And sure. it was great. And they had, they'd picked, basically they picked the wrong people to kind of play a, a somewhat leading role in the night. And so they were over the top and it was just kind of annoying. That's and that was just a bummer. Thankfully they were able to like tone them down and rein them in by like, hey, not your show. Like, like totally, yeah. totally silly, like just play it off. And uh, like, why are you being this way? We're having fun. Um, but then they picked on the opposite end of the spectrum, they picked somebody to do uh, a challenge with one of their actors and he blew the actor out of the water and it was the really? fun, like totally went for it. Like, I think they were literally doing a, like they were supposed to chug a beer or something. Mm -hmm. The most ridiculous thing. And he was all in. And it just, it was both ends, we got both ends of the spectrum in that one show where it's like, this is a good audience participation. Yes. And this guy has no idea how to do this correctly. He's trying to like be in charge mm -hmm. or something. It's like, no. Yeah, that's people who like can't not be in control. Yeah. My favorite audience participation, and I'm so bummed I didn't get to see it, I was directing um, one of like an evening of 10 minute plays right before pandemic. And not the one that I was directing, but another one in the series, um, the girl had written in this part where they bring in an audience member and then essentially ignore him. What? I was obsessed with it. Like, one of what we were, I was a part of, like, feedback and, and critique. And so we talked about, you know, um, how to identify the right person for that. And then also maybe some things that you could give them to do so that they feel a little bit less, like... Super uncomfortable? Right. Exposed um, on the stage? But still keep the, honor the idea of, like... Oh, come here we need you to do something and then not talk to them right which I thought was amazing um, so essentially eventually we had like settled on <laughs> there's this whole bit about yarn throughout the play and so she had kind of settled on using um, he was gonna like do that thing that grandmas do where you like wrap the yarn you know yep to like knit something um, and so that would give him a task because people feel more comfortable when they have a purpose. Right. Um, and essentially, like, the, the main actors would be huddled having a conversation, you know, off to one side. And every once in a while, one of them would be like, how's that yarn coming? But for, I would say, three to four pages of a 10-minute play, which is a good chunk of time, um, 30 to 40%, that's math. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um whoever that ended up being was just going to be there and That's I thought crazy. that that was crazy and risky um, and very interesting 
and I was very excited to see how it played out. Oh, yeah. And then, alas, alack. That is but, a shame. Um, I'm more than positive that that play will be produced somewhere at some time because it was really good. Yeah. Um, and I, if I, I remember the title of the play, but I can't remember the playwright's name or I would definitely, like, shout her out. Um, yeah. But it was hysterically funny very bizarre and I had never seen that I had seen where the actors joke like they're gonna do that right and like okay you just stand here and we're gonna and then they like poke fun like right oh no you're stealing the spotlight you're you're not standing right but it's still paying them a lot of attention. Right, just negative quote-unquote attention. Yes, yeah, and yeah. interacting with them. Huh. But I had never seen, like, a literal, like... Stay over there. You stay there. Weird. Um, and for the purposes of the script, and I don't want to give her away her ending, it worked really well. Like, as you find out why they have used this device, you're like, oh interesting <laughs> when there's actually a purpose it's not just kind of like yes to be weird yes that's cool but because of the nature of the play which was very much like slapstick farce at first you're like okay that's <laughs> rude <laughs> are they just gonna stand there okay i was really into it i'm so disappointed i didn't that get to see it bummer. live and in action when we're off i'm gonna tell you what it is yes when we're not recording right you're gonna be oh, so that's excited so good i love that um, I think one of the most, like, interesting uses of audience participation I've seen for, like, a purpose, because I think a lot of times it's, it's done for, like, purely comedy sake. Yes. Um, like, we're going to throw a lay person into an uncomfortable situation, and then we're going to make fun of them. Yeah. And... And hopefully we pick someone who won't cry. Yes. Because <laughs> they're uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, you want to pick someone who's a little bit uncomfortable. That yeah. way you have more stuff to make fun of. But not someone who's going to be upset that you're making fun of them or, like, super sensitive. Yep. So it, it's, a cal- it's, a, it's a calculation. It's, it's a gamble. Um, but I had been teaching this form of audience participation, if you can call it that, like, where the audience goes into it knowing Hmm. that they're going to participate or that they're going to be asked to participate which I think is different because I would imagine that's a unique audience member yeah who goes into it willing as opposed to typically what happens which is like you're at a comedy yeah whatever at 11 o'clock at night it's like a loosely scripted improv show yeah and there's like a section for someone to come up and participate. Or they yeah, ask you to yell something out and then yeah. they pick on somebody who yells something dumb or whatever. Yes. Yep. Um, a classic. <laughs> well, I mean, there's always one person who's loud and wrong. That's true. In life and in acting. <laughs> <laughs> That's really? Phrase. That's what you decided to go with? Yeah. Out loud in front of all these people. Okay. Um, one of my old acting teachers, to end a lot of acting advice with in life and in acting, which is a habit that I picked up. That's good. But um, the biggest one would be, he would always be like, breathing is very important in life and in <laughs> And he would say it all the time. Yep. 
Um, so anytime I can add that to like a joke. But yeah, I think I had only really thought of audience participation for like comedy mm-hmm. or for like little kid like for learning. Yes. Which is sort of what you were experiencing. Like, okay, yeah. kids, what do we know about uh-huh. this character so far? Right. Make sure you're paying a little bit of attention. He's wearing red. Yeah. Like, whatever uh-huh. thing you want to say. Do we know their name yet? <laughs> We've said it five times. Um, I was doing uh, storytelling. Um, so we, there were, like, set stories that you could pick from or, and tell, or you could, like, make up your own, and it just basically had to be, like, ten minutes. We were traveling around, like, a little teeny tiny set. And, like, telling the different stories to baby babies. Yeah. Um, but one of the set stories, because I had just started doing it, was about a Nazi the Spider. Mm-hmm. Which I had never heard of this character, but it's, like... Yeah. Um, it's an African lot, fable, right? Yes. Yeah, an yeah. African fable with, like, lots and lots of iterations. Yeah. Um, but, but in the one I would tell, like, at the end of it, there's, like, a Nazi, his three babies... And like one other character. Yep. <laughs> At the end, we would always be like, "Who can name the characters from this story?" And part of the telling of it, which I never really thought about because I didn't, I don't spend a ton of time with little kids, is the repetition of the names mm-hmm. and a sound and movement that goes with the names. Yeah. So like, this one makes this noise and does yeah. this thing, and like you would be shocked at the kids who can't remember all and then you do the movement and then they're like oh my gosh they put it together yeah so i think that like peter and the wolf style like you connect the sound with the animal that's interesting yeah so i think that that's really interesting um and definitely one of those things where it's like you don't think about the way or the psychology that goes into like telling a kid a story (laughs) yeah until you are the one who has to repeat and not see the spider over and over and over. Yeah. I mean, it's like oral history. Like, you don't have this written down. You maybe can't read, so let's make sure that you get it. You've at least got the names and the basic storyline. I mean, that's where theater comes from, is a tradition of, like, folks sitting down and telling each other stories. Yep. Sometimes with pictures and all of a sudden you're in this Pictionary situation. Yeah. But I... I don't know, I think... um, I was interested in this form of theater, which is essentially theater of the oppressed, because it puts actors in a situation where there is a problem. Like someone has done something that has caused an issue yeah and then the audience watches the entire thing play out beginning to end and then they reset and start at the beginning and anyone can have them stop Hmm. but if you stop them you have to go into the story and you can take the place of like the person being oppressed the person the bad thing is happening to the aggressor, the person, like, causing the problem, or you can become a witness. Hmm. Um, and we were doing that with kids as, like, a 
tool for them to apply to their real lives. Yeah. Um, it's a really intense game of freeze. Yes. Shoot. So it was really interesting because of the, of the things that the kids wanted to talk about, like when they were having to do their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like some t- like one was literally um, like an example of like uh, a girl experiencing colorism. So she was mixed and the problem in the play was like she felt like she didn't fit in with her white friends she didn't feel like she thought it would fit in with her black friends and so different people could come in at different times and do different things yeah but then on the other side of the coin and taken equally as seriously for like children sincere problem is that one little girl had a problem in her life where her friend kept leaving gifts for her in her locker but she never checked her locker and so her they were always in like a an argument like you didn't say thank you for your gift oh no i didn't know i had a gift and that argument reached ahead one day because the gift was her favorite cheese no and so then her locker stuck that's awful awful and amazing and like a very, i love that i mean both sets of these kids that we were working with were like 10 yeah and so obviously zoomed out in this in the like lens of the world you can be like okay well one of those is a problem and one of those is like a quirky sitcom misunderstanding <laughs> <laughs> right but to this little girl like what it represented to her was like I have communicated over and over to my friend like please don't do this <laughs> this isn't working and she won't stop and now all my stuff smells like rotten cheese <laughs> wow I don't know I think that just shows like the range of problems that kids yeah. ex- can't exp- like those are all equally valid to them and they haven't I mean it's the same problems that we have just on a slightly smaller scale. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's the micro of our daily problems. Like, we are experiencing big systemic problems. Yeah. But also, on our day-to-day life, we are experiencing the minutia of life that is overwhelming sometimes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's really interesting to watch how they would solve the problem, too. Yeah. Like, you know... There's always someone who wants to come in and, like, be the hero. But then, you know, so often you would have, like, the super shy kid who just wanted to come up and be the witness. They didn't want to have, like, a leading part. Mm-hmm. But um, they were willing to, like, quietly tap someone on the shoulder and say, like, um, excuse me, your friend left cheese in your locker as a gift? And I thought you might want to check it before you went to class. Somebody who just watches. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, you know, the world needs more people who are willing to, like, step out of their way to preemptively solve a problem that's very adorable. Yeah. Yeah. Giving everybody a chance to kind of, like, just be a part of it. Yeah. That's cool. So I think there's, like, a sincerely silly side to audience participation, and then I experienced a very serious side. And, like, 
oftentimes because they're kids it's like well what's the situation where i've been oppressed my mom keeps telling me to clean my room <laughs> uh -huh. yeah it's like okay well let's play that out right what does your mom say what do you say and you can also tell it's like the first time that they've sincerely sat down and thought about someone else's point of view which is like why their friend might be leaving that cheese in their locker why um, their friend might say that thing to them that hurts their feelings about them not fitting in why their mom might want them to clean their room yeah so um that i think it's really interesting and that's a cool concept to like leave both perspectives open because mm -hmm. I think that in every story we want to see ourselves as the good guy for the most part any story unless we're talking about something like Maleficent where the bad guy is the good guy yes. we we see ourselves as the one who's like gonna overcome the odds and save oh, the yeah. day against all of these <laughs> oppressive forces mm -hmm. and we're never thinking of okay but what if we're the one on the other side. What exactly, if what if yeah. we are the bad Maleficent? What if we and somebody sees us that way? Yeah, I mean it's um it's a healthy thing to consider sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's the I think we talked about this a little bit when we talked about playwriting, but it's the idea that like there's a good guy, there's a bad guy, and you know conflict 101 you know, man against man, who's going to win? Yeah. Um, but I think the interesting thing about this is, like, sometimes uh, you're, you know, being oppressed because your mom wants you to clean your room. Mm-hmm. But when you, like, step into the story, um, you know, a lot of times the kids would say, like, well, I've asked you for three days. Yeah. Or, like, we start to learn more things where they start to think, like, okay, maybe this behavior isn't, like, something bad that's happening to me. Yeah. Slash, maybe sometimes I'm the one who isn't listening, who is causing the problem. Yeah. Who's not, you know, willing to do X, Y, or Z. Um, yeah, so I Allowing think Allowing people to have multiple part, like, different pieces of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, we all contain multitudes. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, um, it's the, have you ever heard Nicole Byer do her, she's a comedian, do her critique of Ursula not being a villain? I don't think so, no. So she basically says that she's just, like, this fabulous, incorrect octopus, because she doesn't have the right number of tentacles, <laughs> who is basically, like, minding her own business when she is sought out. And then perhaps the story of The Little Mermaid is actually Ursula teaching Ariel not to give up your voice for a man. Hmm. Um, in a very funny way much more lovely way than I just said that. Sure. You should look it up, it's funny. But I do think, like, you know, the way that you're presented a story is from always one perspective. Yeah. So, you know, it's the 
there's three sides argument each person's side and then whatever the truth is because we all bring our own perspective biases feelings about cheese (laughs) into situations where we have conflict with people yeah so I think it's interesting um I think and I have been like so blessed to just like go sit at funny well done mindless like yeah someone getting super embarrassed by being pulled up from the audience theater that it is like worthy has its place should not end yeah but talked I talked about that last week we need more comedy yes and that's okay I think it's also interesting to think about it from the side of storytelling for like change I don't like to say for like a purpose because I think funny stories are for a purpose too. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you think about like great playwrights, even their darkest stories are like laced with some sort of humor. And in every humor, there's some truth. I mean, that's that's the mark of a, a good piece of comedy when it's like, oh, that's funny, but also that's. It's, it's an easier way to, a more palatable way to get concepts across. Sure. Which sometimes there's no need for that and just say it. But <laughs> sometimes it's, it's a way to... Sometimes you have to spoon feed people, yeah. you know, their spoonful of sugar. Right. Can I just, as a tangent, say that I... I so I directed Mary Poppins two years ago, one year ago. I don't remember. Um, a year and a half ago. Every once in a while, I the um, finale of that musical pops into my head, which is not part of the movie. Mm-hmm. And essentially, like, one of the lines is, like, um, it, it'll happen if someone says, like, anything can happen. Because that's one of the lines of the song, anything can happen if you let it. And I will sing the soul, whole song in my head trying to figure out what it is from. <laughs> which makes me feel like maybe... I've had some sort of stroke because I fully directed that musical for almost six months. Yeah. Like, December to May. So... There's just some some disconnect there. Why can't I remember? Like, I literally have to get to the part where they say Sally Forth the way we're steering. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, oh, it's Mary Poppins. Right. Got there. So, something... I might be touched in that. Something might be wrong with me. (laughs) (laughs) At least it's not one of like the classic Mary Poppins songs that you yes. disconnected from it. It's like one of the it's it's a weird one. Yeah, I've like, dissociated it. It was right. actually and weirdly like I liked the song. It's like peppy. Yeah. It's like a nice ending. It's cute. I was I was pro that song. Um but man. Yeah. I just like anytime someone says anything can happen, I start singing it. Then you have to sing the whole thing. To figure out what it's yeah. like. Yeah. I don't have that same problem with uh, Sparkle, Jolly, Twinkle, Jingly from Elf. I wonder why. As soon as you hear someone say Sparkle, Jolly, Twinkle, Jingly, you know what it's from. (laughs) Yeah. That's a little more obvious. I can just never remember titles in general. 
So I have to get to the chorus, and then I'm like, Same. oh, yeah, that's what that's called. This thing that they keep repeating over and over yeah, is yeah. probably right. the that's, title that's of the, the song. Title. Right, right, right. Got it. I will say, I don't think I've ever seen a musical with a lot of audience participation. I'm trying to think if one exists now that we're on this subject. Yeah. I have, well, I have not no, seen one. No, I guess um, it's uh, Spelling Bee because they oh. bring up audience spellers. Yeah. But other than that, I don't. And again, like some kids ones where you're like, come on, kids, sing it with me. Like that kind of nonsense. But not like a a classic musical that you'd see a lot. No. Yeah, my classic when Tinkerbell dies because none of the kids will clash. Yeah, that's that's a little rough. That's a yikes. (laughs) Do you want Tinkerbell to die? Eventually, as Wendy, you do have to say that. (laughs) This is the reality we're in, guys. Like... Because you can't like clap behind your back right, like a hope deformed that the crew seal. Clapping. <laughs> uh, it's a matinee. People are tired. No hundred percent paying attention. Oops. I will say, um, just as like a slightly different perspective. So as an audience member, I love audience participation when I'm not involved. Yeah. I will begrudgingly go up and try to do my best to not overthink it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't stand it as a stage manager Mm. I get so anxious I was stage managing um, the complete works of Shakespeare Bridge which has a ton of audience participation yes there's like a game show portion Um, there's a portion where Ophelia comes up and screams Um, they like run out into the audience and talk to people so, I literally, like, I'm a good stage manager. I just want to caveat. But I get into a rhythm where I don't have to be 100% paying attention to the show anymore. Because <laughs> we're on our fourth week of this. Right. And it's a run. And I'm there. I'm with you. I'm flipping my pages when you're saying the lines. I promise. Right. But my head isn't. I'm thinking about other things <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. But when there's audience participation, I just get so anxious for them. I get anxious for the actors that they're going to skip because something's going to happen that throws them off. Mm-hmm. I'm anxious for myself that these people don't understand how to stay in the light. That makes me really nervous. <laughs> sure. So I'm like, how do I just want to make sure fix it. if the board off is ready to just like hit us with a little follow spot or whatever. Um, and then I also get nervous like, there's just a lot of technical issues that can happen, like, if you have to get them a mic. Yeah. And, like, what if they wander off or, like... Or if they're super quiet and you yeah. try and turn the mic up for them and it doesn't go well. And then they scream into the mic yeah. and then there's an issue. And, like, mm. yeah. Too many variables. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't, like... I would say being a stage manager is one of the only times in my life that I would say I'm, like, a 100% control freak. And part of the reason that I can kind of go on autopilot is because I typically work on shows where the people have it down to, like, an art. Yeah. And we are, you know, Just all kind of in thing. harmony. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little bit, it stresses me out to no end. Um, but I don't think I've ever directed anything with audience participation, so I can't really say. 
Yeah, I don't even know if ours counted because we had it pretty much scripted because my, my very small actress got, she just wanted to. Be sure. Yeah, be sure that it wasn't gonna wind up being uncomfortable or whatever, and that was totally fair. So, yeah. It was brave just to go out in the audience at all when you're like part of the goal for some actors is to forget the audience <laughs> is there. If you walk down there and you're like, oh, hello. All of a sudden, you're here. You feel like you've like broken the sound uh-huh. barrier because yeah. you like walk down into their domain. Right. Yeah. Nope. I do feel like, um, I don't know, there is, I like to feel um, like symbiotic with an audience, mm-hmm. but I don't want you to be one of us. Yes. Give us your energy. Stay where you are. Yes. <laughs> Enjoy the show. Please keep arms and legs inside the seat at all times. Well, then you can count audience participation as the one time I was doing a show that your mom was directing and a lady propped her feet up on the edge of the stage. That counts. That totally counts. Because my... I think the audience participated in that one. My audience participation was... I was blocked to do laps around the rug. Oh my slash gosh. the perimeter of the stage in heels. It was such a small stage for and all of that. Every time, and this is bad acting, so I will admit it. I would go once, mm-hmm. step over her feet, keep, continue on. Whatever, it's fine. Clearly she can see I'm making the second lap. Yes. So it's like, where do you think I'm going? By the third time, because I'm doing this whole monologue mm-hmm. where I'm around the premier stage, I was making a production of hiking up my T-length skirt you and like it. stepping over her feet. I was like, that show was perfect for that, though. Excuse like, you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the feet were there in your brain. Yeah, I was playing someone who was imagining some stuff. Yeah. So maybe they were, and maybe they weren't. Please, there was a character on that stage who would have like played hopscotch over those feet yes. and should have, and that would have she been so have. good. I will say that show is one of the only times that I had like a holy crap moment. I don't know if you remember this at all. Everyone except for the lead was facing upstage. It was like she was telling us a story. So we're all sitting in front of her and she's slightly elevated on the floor. And uh, we skipped. And I don't know who skipped, I don't know what happened. But it was this moment where we're all looking at her, and she has to hold her composure, but she's also, like, mostly the one doing the dialogue. Uh-huh. So, like, everyone's kind of like, hmm, how do we get back? We don't know. Right, everyone's doing the gymnastics. Yes. Yeah. And I'm typically pretty good at, like, a pivot yeah. to, I'll say your line, I'll repeat myself in a weird voice, I'll do whatever to, like get us back. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at that. I had no idea where we were. Like, I could not figure it out. That's crazy. And I was like, am I imagining this? Because, like, it had never happened to me that, to that extent before where yeah. I was like, oh, crap. I don't know where we are. My biggest move in a pivot is to ask a question mm-hmm. that, like, gives you your line. Yeah. That's my most classic move. Right. Um, but I couldn't think of anything. And so we're all just kind of like... And luckily, the girl that was the lead was poised. Fantastic, yes. Very fantastic. Yes. But, but I was like, I don't know. And I think we did end up repeating ourselves in a section, which, again, for that show is like... Totally valid. Are they doing it on purpose? Probably. Probably. <laughs> Man. Um, but, yeah, that was a mess. That's nuts. 
how do you feel as kind of a final um, conclusion to both shows and this conversation about audience participation that decides an ending? I feel like this happens a lot in murder mysteries. Yeah. I think it... Do you think it's lazy writing? <laughs> kind of. Well, and if there's stuff like... So we'd mentioned a, a Clue-esque show mm-hmm. that does that, but there were many different endings written. And in Clue, the same thing, where it's like, that wasn't lazy. The, the writer just decided there were a lot of different ways, and they wrote all of them. Yes. And, and that's kind of cool. Anyone who knows me knows that Clue is my favorite movie, is so like right. I can't argue against that kind of ending. It's it's a choice, but you've at least like followed each of those through to the end. You yeah. didn't pick one, which you could call lazy, whatever. But um, it gives the audience kind of like the feeling of being involved in it mm-hmm. without actually involving them at all. Yeah, like the actors are completely in control they just get to pick a name or something. Yeah. So it's kind of a false audience participation, I think. If there's just like two options, so I've seen one where it was just guilty or not guilty, uh-huh. then it's, you just, I, I'm, not, I'm not quite as sure that that's like, I mean, whatever, but I don't think that it matters that much to the audience in that case. Yeah, I feel like in some ways, if an audience is super into your story and you've, created a really good ending either way mm-hmm. okay but I think in some ways it cheats your audience out of like I don't know you're building up to this conclusion and then to throw it back in their face and be like yeah son you know I don't know it's just like a little bit right something that I don't love what I love about Clue at the time, which had they done this in the age of social media, it would have been amazing, but they were just too soon, is that they didn't do the five different endings at the end of the film. You literally were decided what ending you got based on what theater you ended up in. Hmm. So, like, there would be two showings of Clue at the exact same theater, and one would get ending A, and one would get ending B. I didn't D. know that. Yes. That's so interesting. Fun fact. Yeah. But people were mad. Because yeah. there's no way to really hype that well before digital age. Right, without literally giving it away. Exactly. Huh. So, like, people were upset, and that's when they had to include every ending. Right. So, I don't know, for me, that clue ending, there's something satisfying about the idea that you don't you don't realize you missed it until after the fact. Yeah. Which I've only been to one show like that where I went multiple nights and each night it ended differently, but it wasn't like the audience chose. Right. It was like luck of the draw. And if it's something a little bit different, like uh, there was one I don't remember where you were considering, I don't even remember if this was a show you directed, I don't remember what show this was, where you were like, maybe (laughs) we just let the actors decide. Oh, I remember what it was, where you were not sure about the ending of a show, and you were like, maybe I just let yep. the two people on stage make up their minds. Yep. And that's a much more interesting choice than taking a weird intermission and going, all right, what, is, what does the audience want mm-hmm. based on the hour and a half that they've experienced the show versus the hour and a half that the actor has lived the show? Yeah. Well... 
so with that, I mean, it's the um, measure for measure ending. Mm-hmm. So in the end of that Shakespeare play, uh, the Duke, who has been lying to Isabella for the entire play, um, proposes marriage to her, even though she's sworn to be a nun. Um, and like, not official yet, but almost, I guess. Right. I don't really know. I haven't seen that show in a long time, but, um, she doesn't answer him. Like, the end of the play is kind of this cliffhanger, and I have seen it where I saw a version of this ten years ago, maybe, at this point, maybe less than that, eight, let's say eight where they left it up to the actors every night. And one night you would see her, like, gleefully, like, hug him. And one night you would see it just, like, fade to black. Yeah. And I do think that there is some merit as a director I think sometimes you know the story you want to tell and you know the ending you want to tell. Right. That's fine. But I do think there's a little bit of merit as a director in saying, you guys are living this every night and have hopefully invested yourselves in it. And whether it's every night or you guys just make the decision, I'm interested in knowing. I'm interested in letting the ending belong to you yeah it plays into the idea that every single night is different that that's Mm -hmm. one of the beauties of live theater is that you don't get the same show twice yeah i mean even if it's just because one of the actors had bad news that day like it will be a different show just because of the way that they come onto the stage even if they don't intend to bring their outside life right that they if they don't intend for that to happen it's still it's a different thing every night so if you experience it differently the reaction at the end might be just a little different. Yeah. And I think that, um, I don't know, I guess it's a, it's a literal interpretation of that in some ways. Um, or maybe it's like putting a voice on something that we don't typically like talk about, which is that theater is different every time. Yeah. But it's literally saying like, okay, I don't care how this, this part exactly goes. I'm going to let you guys decide. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I don't trust audiences enough, but I don't always want them to decide. Right. Sometimes I want to be the decider. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's some scripts you can do that, and there's some scripts you would not in a million years want to do that with yeah. because that would detract from the merit of the story or whatever. Yeah. Hmm. But I think... Um, I would be interested to see in this age of, like, digital theater, I mean, there's tons of ways that you can do audience participation, um, a little bit differently. Yeah. So, those, like, guilty, not guilty polls, I mean, that can happen so much quicker. Yeah. You can have people voting throughout the thing that there isn't a weird intermission. Yeah. So, I think there's a lot of room for it to be interesting um and I I would I would be excited to watch something that tried to utilize audience participation uh in digital theater absolutely 
because, I don't know, I guess that adds a little bit to what we talked about a long time ago of, like, the thrill of maybe it doesn't go well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and feeling like you're involved even when you're just sitting in the chat. Like, that we yeah. were talking about, like, there is no interaction in the audience or, like, watching how somebody else is reacting. But if you can see, like, oh, that's funny, like, somebody posting in the chat or whatever, like, yeah. hey, use this line. See if you can work that in or something. If it's some kind of improv situation, that could be really interesting. Yeah, it puts you more in community with mm-hmm. your fellow audience members and the performers, which is something that is lacking in that space. Yeah. So that would be cool. Also terrifying. Definitely need, <laughs> definitely in need of a moderator, but yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can just let people go ham in Absolutely there. not. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's the role for the stage manager. And Who's now the moderator? Is the moderator. Yeah. That, and making sure you're not Zoom bombed. Yikes. Oh my gosh. Please <laughs> for the love. Okay. I will just um, maybe end on this note. I had a high school theater director who loved to say, the play is locked in, don't change it. Hmm. And I'll spend every moment of my life um, arguing against <laughs> that sentence in my work in theater even if i hate audience participation usually uh at least you cannot lock in what that's gonna be like yeah yeah there's a place for everything yes even stressful audience members Mm -hmm. (laughs) so what do you want people to tell us about the time they bombed audience participation or if they've ever been to a show where it was like the end, because we said we had never really experienced the whole like dead energy situation. If you yeah. were like at a show and you were like the only one clapping, we would like to commiserate <laughs> with you and say we are so sorry that that happened to yes. you. Yes. Yikes. Hear about it. And how bad was the show? I have to know what the show was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Who, who can we blame? Right. Um, <laughs> it's just not you. You were doing your job. Yes. Well, and were you, I would like to know very specifically, were you doing it because you wanted to be a good audience member or were you like, wow, no one else gets this but me? Right. (laughs) Does no one else think this is funny? Both of those are extremely valid and I have questions. Yes. Um, So if you have that story for us, you can email it to us at uncertaintheater at gmail.com. That's U-N-C-E-R-T-A-N-T-H-E-A-T-R-E at gmail.com. Or again, as always, you can send us a voicemail uh, slash text message. We will never answer the phone. Nope. Um, I don't even answer my real phone. Not if I can help it. (laughs) Uh, you can leave us a voicemail or text message at 502-627-0296. Please and thank you. We would love it. We're leaving this parking lot now. It's dark. It is dark. Time to go. Yeah, and I have a million bug bites. <laughs> oh, no. Bye. Bye. And, like, why? Supra. Cicadas. <laughs> nice. I needed to cough. You done? Almost. There we go.